Welcome back to the Speakeasy Law Podcast with host Carmen DeLutri and co-host Casey Byrus. All right, guys. So thank you and welcome to our next episode of Speakeasy Podcast. Last time we had our guest of Dr. Nate Gindel, and it ended up being a three-part series. So we're kind of hoping for something similar this time. Uh, this time we have, of course, with us Carmen DeLutri of DeLutri Law Group. Carmen, would you like to say anything? Good morning, Casey. <laughs> it's like a radio show in here. And then we have with us attorney David Feynman and attorney David Lampley. Dave, would you like to say anything? Good afternoon, Casey. Good morning, Casey. <laughs> I was expecting a good evening. Um, and we have our super duper intern with us, Jackie Bradford. She is. She's over here on the sound mic. She's going to make sure that our sound volumes are, are all good today. So, anything you want to say to the microphone, Jackie? Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a lively podcast here, guys. All right. So on this episode of Speakeasy Law, we are going to be talking about a lot of things, but it looks like on my list, it's going to be a lot of things about bankruptcy. Um, but first and foremost, we got to start with rapid fire questions. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right. Carmen's volunteering to go first. So Carmen, let's see if we can get you some Wait questions. Are they going to get the same questions I do? No, different questions. Okay, definitely. That's better. Yeah. What is success for you? Success is a very, very, very elusive topic for me. It's a never-ending drive to be the best you possibly can. It's a never-ending drive to be the best leader I can. And it's a never-ending drive to make, make sure I get the most out of the people I work with every day. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. What's your favorite color? Green. Color of money. <laughs> All right. Feynman, what's your favorite food? Italian. What's your favorite dessert? Are you kidding me? I get the success <laughs> question and he gets food and dessert? Yeah. Wait, how is Italian your favorite food? That's it, not a food. That's a genre. That's a genre of food. <laughs> well, Be I mean, more specific, Helen, Casey. You're in charge. Let's just go with the classic uh, spaghetti and meatballs. Is that just your answer or is that truly your favorite food? You know, that's probably my biggest comfort food. Okay. I still think you're just trying to kiss up. Yeah, I think so too. To the Dilutri name there. I didn't say it was Carmen Sauce that yeah, I okay. came up with. I mean, Fair enough. Be kissing up. I would have said Carmen Sauce. Carmen you, Sauce. You definitely. know, there's... There's a lot of good memories around Carmen okay, Sauce. Okay, so time to move on. This will never what's your, end. What's your key to success? Uh, my key to success Fine. is my so work is a moves. reflection of myself. I'll take that one. That's a good one. All right. Lampley, what's the best compliment you've ever been given? Um, I think when the, the you know, to relate it to, to professionally, when the, the guy with no money brought a bike for our toys for tots um that was the ultimate compliment that that he, because of what we did he was wanting to pay it forward and that was when you really realize that you're making a difference i like that i've actually heard that story from me more than once it's it happened the second year i was here and it's been the one lasting you know the thing that changed Every attorney, I, I don't think any attorney probably wakes up coming out of law school and says, hey, I'm going to go into bankruptcy. Um, and it was the transformation from I'm a bankruptcy attorney to I'm assisting people with their life moment for me that made me be able to put bankruptcy in its proper context of, of what we're really trying to do. Describe yourself in five words. Um, dad. Um Got two more. <laughs> I have four kids, so dad counts as four words. Come on. Um, 
you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a son. Um, I'm dedicated. I think we're at five now. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So now that we got that out of the way, um, Carmen, you want to talk a little bit about bankruptcy? Is that what we want to go or we want to talk want a little bit about? How, we, how about we start about how we got into bankruptcy law? How we, I, got, I got thrown into bankruptcy law. That's perfect. Start there and then we'll okay. ask these guys how they got many, in. Many, many, many moons ago, many years, and I would rather not talk about the – I was working at a different law firm, the only other law firm I ever worked at before I started the practice. And I was in the Fort Myers office, and the firm hired an attorney from Tampa who would come down to the Fort Myers office, do intakes on bankruptcy clients, and then leave. And the attorney would not call people back. They would not answer emails. They would not answer phone calls. It was horrifying. So I had people coming in the front door. Now I'm sitting there doing all personal injury work. People are coming in the front door and saying, what's going on with this? I need help. I need help. And I couldn't help them. I didn't know what to do. So I called the guy in Tampa, the boss, and I said, look, uh, do me a favor. I'll learn this stuff. Don't send her, the attorney back here again. Just don't do it. I'll handle it from now on. And I worked many weekends and nights trying to figure out what this bankruptcy law was all about, how it helps people. And I got a lot of help from a lot of other attorneys. I got a lot of help from the Chapter 13 trustee, Terry Smith, at the time. And I had Judge Pasquet at the time yell at me many, many times because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But he, in turn, was helping me along through the process, whether I knew it or not. And ultimately, the light bulb went on. After about three or four months, the light bulb went on. And I realized that the interplay between bankruptcy law and personal injury law is something no one else has figured out yet. At least I didn't know anybody who saw the, the combination of the two. And I realized that my skills as a trial lawyer were going to help me become a better bankruptcy lawyer. And once that light bulb went on, it shined so brightly, it never went off. And that was 20, 25 years ago. All right. So anybody that's just tuning in and didn't listen to our first couple of episodes, um, Carmen is um, an attorney here. We opened Dulutri Law Group in 1998. So it's been around for a little while. He won't let me say what year he got his law degree again. So you'll have to listen to episode one. Depends on, I got licensed in three states. One of them was the first. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the year. So with that I being have, said, our because two I have two wise guys here who won't let me live it down. Um, the, the two guests we have with us today um, are actually attorneys at our office as well. So we have attorney David Feynman and attorney David Lampley, who are our bankruptcy um, guys. I was actually going to use a word that I think the Florida bar prohibits me say from saying. You can say so specialist. I was going to say guru. Gurus are good. All right. There are bankruptcy gurus. I was like, eh, maybe I should ease up on that, that verbiage. Um, but anyway, so with that being said... Now you know how Carmen got into this world um, and started this this awesome uh, law firm where we all work. So we all have jobs, thanks to Carmen. Um, Dave, tell us how – sorry, Feynman, tell us how you got into um, bankruptcy law specifically but landed here. So uh, – well, well, wait a minute. Wait, are we, let, are we let using, tell my story are we using our superhero names? First, oh, we do. we'll tell, we'll tell are, Feynman. Are we using our superhero names here? What's our superhero names? From Avengers Infinity War, are we using our superhero names? Yeah, oh, yeah. End game, wait, wait, end we game. don't have Joe oh. here. I, I'm not, not the Marvel guy. So yeah, let, let Lampley definitely needs to go first. Lampley needs Feynman to go first. Come second. He's got seniority. So, <laughs> so by a month. 2007, by a year. By a year. At this uh, point. 
So, so I, I graduated law school in, in 2007, and um, I actually... Fun, fun fact, we graduated the same school, same year together. Yeah, and, and fun or fact, we never talked to each other until During we started working together. Um, but, so, I was actually thinking about being a job in real estate, and unfortunately, I graduated law school in 2007, and so uh, a couple of the real estate firms that I had been lined up with weren't hiring anymore. And so I was um, actually going to go to the public defender's office because student loans are uh, a real thing. And six months after graduation, you have to start paying them. Um, and so the the public defender at the time was down in Naples. And he said, I'll be back up in Fort Myers on Monday. Give me a call. and We'll get you all set up. And so on Thursday, I actually, um, Carmen's mom actually worked with uh, my college roommate's wife and said, hey, you know, why don't you send a resume? And so, of course, I, I addressed my resume and cover letter to Miss Carmen Delutri. Um, <laughs> um, because, you know, I had no idea. And I came in for an interview and um, I was hired on the spot. I only realized after I was hired that I didn't know when I was actually supposed to start. Um, so I did call back the next Monday and say, hey, when did you want me to start? Um, but yeah, so my indoctrination and in, in, into bankruptcy law was uh, I came in on a Monday. I had a, a, a desk in the office. And at the time, the office was just starting to go back into bankruptcy law. So only half of the office was actually operating as an office. The other half was storage. And so I came in, I had a desk on the storage side and a stack of books, probably <laughs> 10 to 15 books high. And Carmen said, Okay, I'm going. I'm going to be away for the next ten days. Learn bankruptcy law. You got to go up to Tampa for a hearing in three weeks. Um, so that's how I started bankruptcy law here at the firm. And then, how did that lead to um, Feynman coming on board? Well, as noted previously, we we graduated the same same year. Didn't really talk to each other. And funny enough, uh, we ended we ended up in the same world of bankruptcy, and that's. Uh, you know, two newbies in the game um, realized that we went to the same law school. We kind of latched on for assistance from each other uh, from time to time. But I went uh, to work for a firm in Punta Gorda uh, that I had interned with over the previous summer that was also a real estate firm and also did some other areas of practice. Um, and I was expecting a job there and they didn't also, they didn't have a position for me either, but they decided to create one if I wanted to start a bankruptcy practice, because if people remember 2007, that's when, uh, the economy tanked and, uh, bankruptcies were on the a significant, uh, steep slope up. So I did. And, uh, like David Lampley and like Carmen, uh, I had to learn it from the ground up because no one else there did bankruptcy. And I had to start their bankruptcy practice. Um, at the same time, I was doing construction litigation, you know, DUI defense, whatever else no one else wanted to handle at the firm that came into the firm, they threw to me just to keep me busy. Um, and so I, I got to dabble into a lot of different areas and expand my horizons in that year. But uh, after a year of not working or of working with uh, a new practice area that I had no idea if I was doing it correctly or not, how many pitfalls were out there that I might step into, uh, I, I really was not feeling comfortable 
and uh, fact, David. It was at a Pasquet seminar of all places. Of all places that we uh, ran into each other. Yeah, we, we ran into each other after you know we had we had talked on the phone several times, bouncing into each other at court, but uh, we really spoke at a Pasquet seminar. And Carmen, he Lampley said Carmen was looking to bring somebody else on, and if I'd be interested, uh, I said let's talk. And of course, we talked, and uh, the rest is sort of history. After that, I came on board. Uh, and I thought, all right, cool. I'm in a firm now where uh, there's going to be some uh, learning underneath someone, at least what I don't know about bankruptcy. And no, it was about the same, just a lot more volume. So um, picked up the pace of learning the cases much, much faster um, and figuring it out. And honestly, that's that's probably where I thrive most anyway. Lampley, why are you giggling over there? Because uh, that first year was crazy. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the, the volume... Literally, I started in, I think it was September of, of 2007. And at the time, I'd have maybe five or six consults during a week. And then October of 07 hit. And I had, we, we literally were booking appointments two weeks out. We were coming in on Saturday mornings. Um, the, the end of the month, we would be here till 10 or 11 o'clock at night signing cases to file. Um, you know, it's funny to this day, people ask, oh, our bankruptcy's picking up. And I always have to go back and say, well, relative to what? You know, <laughs> in 07 and 08, we were filing 140 cases a month. Um, yep. And so have bankruptcies picked up from then? No. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, it was a crazy time to, to look back at, at, you know, the three of us, because really it was just the three of us doing cases back then. Um, yep. I know Dilutri Law Group back then had a lot more attorneys, right? There was quite a few. No, no it, it was the three of us and Amanda. It was the three of us and Amanda. We, we started to bring some on because you start filing that many cases, you're right. going to need to have more workers on the other side of that case to, to keep them going. But they weren't, um, They I'm sorry to interrupt, Dave, they weren't true bankruptcy attorneys. They were coverage hearing. They were covering mm -hmm. hearings on minor stuff that we could allow them to go to court on but not really give them a lot of responsibility because they really didn't know what they were doing. So we did have, at one time we got up to 10 attorneys, but on the bankruptcy side, it was a little bit different because like Dave said, when he came on, the consults were five or six weeks, then it went to 20 a week, then it went to 30 a week, then it went to 40 a week. And it was just crazy. I mean, it was, there's no way you can put it in perspective because it was insanity. And we somehow managed to get through it and get all of our clients through it without any problems whatsoever that that were major. We had a lot of clients with problems, but it worked. Not due to us. Not due to us, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it all worked out uh, for oh, them. Oh, it was, I mean. But that was the best time to file back then. Oh, it was not only the best time to file, but you were seeing so many things that you'd never seen before that they really didn't have very much precedent, if you remember. Yeah. Because, you know, real estate, quote unquote, was always the best, best investment. Put your money in real estate. Real estate never goes down in value. And, and so back in 07, all of a sudden real estate went down in value. Yep. And so you had houses that were underwater. You had second mortgages that were no longer secured. You had, you had things that really hadn't happened ever. probably ever, but at least since the 90s. And you had a new bankruptcy code that was enacted in 2005. So a new bankruptcy code none of these things had really been tested. So there wasn't a whole lot of case law. There wasn't a whole lot of how are you going to apply the means test when you're surrendering a secured property. Right. There was so many things that were going on that 
you know, there was an element I, of, man, I have this blank slate. How do we attach it? You know, how do you answer that question? I'll never forget that, you know, there was times where we'd look at each other, go do case law and say, we think this is what's going to happen. But well, there's never been decided before. Beyond, so, beyond that, well, it even went worse than that. You tell a client one thing one day and, and yeah. the next day, which had happened in a court a week prior, and the next next week something new would happen. It was, it was almost Wild West. And especially so, with the judges because Judge Pasquet was Judge Pasquet. And yeah. we all got our start with Judge Pasquet on the bench. Let's and, clarify real quick because we're talking about case law. Um, so, so explain for anybody who doesn't know all of these terms what you're what you're referencing when you're talking about there was no case law. So, when you talk about case law, you talk about decisions that judges have made in prior cases that give guidance to what they would do in the current situation. So, you go back and you know you have Supreme Court precedents. If a Supreme Court says this is how we rule on the matter, then all of the courts are supposed to follow that. I say supposed to. Um, you know, and so that's what you look for when you're talking about case law. But the interrupted, David, the, the case law is interpreting the new bankruptcy law. And that's why Dave's saying there was nothing interpreting it at that time. So a client comes into you and it was usually on a daily basis. They had a question that has never been answered by a court about a brand new law. So there was no case law. We were creating the case law as the new people were coming in the office. And as, as quickly as you'd answer one question, a new question would come up and say, oh, now what do we do with this? And what does the law say about it? Well, the law says this. Well, some judge in Utah says this on Friday. Some judge in Chicago says this on Monday. And Tuesday, you're in front of your judge saying, I don't know how to handle this, but this is what we've got. And, and anything, the time that it takes for a case to work its way through the system to get to the Supreme Court is a three or four year lag. So your clients are asking you for advice now. Mm -hmm. You can't tell them, wait four years to see how the Supreme Court ultimately decides it. So... It was a time, Dave's probably right, I, the Wild West is probably a good analogy. I got a great example on that. We had a gentleman who surrendered his house in Chapter 7 or Chapter 13, don't remember what it was. I tried the case in Tampa in front of Judge Williamson. Judge Williamson told me I was wrong and the guy couldn't get his money back, but the guy had won anyway. It was a great case. And then two years or five years later, the Supreme Court rules on the same issue that I lost on and told everybody in the world that I was right. But I, I lost the case, but I won the, the war, you guess you could say. But my client had a significant victory anyway, so I was pretty happy about that. But ultimately, that's what we were facing on a daily basis. And there were a lot of days we would kind of scratch our heads at the end of the day and say, I don't know the answer to that question. Just to be clear, the Supreme Court said Carmen DeLucci was right. No, the Supreme Court did not say Carmen DeLucci was right. The Supreme Court ruled on my issue, which I appealed in the district court, said I was wrong too. And then ultimately vindication came when several years later the Supreme Court came out and ruled on the exact same issue and DeLucci was right. But it's funny, you look back now and those were some of the best times too. Oh yeah, crazy. Even as crazy as it was, working crazy and, and all of that. You look back and say, man, those were the times that it was really rewarding to to be working and, and helping people because the housing market crash affected so many people. You weren't seeing, you know, just the low income. You were seeing upper income. You were seeing across the board from $200,000 a year earners to $15,000 a year earners. They were all in the same place and, and everybody felt like they were kind of there was a much more of a, I would say a kinship. That's when people stop looking down at bankruptcy and stop saying, oh, bankruptcy is this bad word, bankruptcy is this bad word, because it was affecting everybody at all levels of, of people.
And let's not forget also that was the time of the big bank bailouts and the automaker bailouts. These, you know, these held up companies that are supposed to be untouchable. And I guess they are if they're too big to fail. Too big to fail. But, you know, they got bailed out. Well, people started not feeling so bad about having to go bankrupt because, listen, there's no bailouts for people. It's bankruptcy is your, is your parachute. Back then, there were no bailouts for people. Now there happen to be bailouts. Now we got a lot of stimulus. But but but, I mean, realistically, I think there was a turning point. I I think there was a turning point in the perception of bankruptcy back then. I even say, you know, I tell the story when I first started doing bankruptcy law. You'd be out at a at an event or a gathering, and somebody would ask you what you do, and you'd say, "Oh, I'm a consumer lawyer," or "I'm a," you know, you wouldn't use the word bankruptcy just because of that stigmatism. And then a year into it, and and you change because you realize bankruptcy, number one, it's about the business. You know, I, I, I always look and say, well, at the end of the day, if you take the word bankruptcy away and you look at just the black and white, the numbers, if you do X, it's going to do cost you this. If you do Y, it's going to cost you this. That's how you have to make decisions. Um, but then because the stigmatism was going away, it was much easier to go and say, hey, I'm a bankruptcy attorney and this is what I can do for you rather than than the perception was before. And I think that's because a lot of people, the stigmatism put on bankruptcy by society and by the credit card companies and by the any type of financial institution, they don't like bankruptcy because they lose their unequal bargaining power in bankruptcy. Bankruptcy however, is the ultimate however, to, uh, leveling of the playing field. So no one feels bad. Look, the reason you have 29% credit card rates yeah. is because well, they anticipate a risk of that. Nobody has to feel bad because if you look at 08 and 09... The credit cards had record profit margins, yeah. despite a record number of defaults. Number one, because they were getting to write off losses against their taxes, which, yep. you know, follow that trail down. But exactly like you said, they built this into their risk analysis a long time ago. Oh, they, yeah. They weren't losing money, so no. to speak. And, it, the, and for most me, people paying minimum payments probably paid their principal back that they took. Ten times over. A zillion times over. I've never felt bad about helping people file for bankruptcy because I see the good that it does. From an economic standpoint, bankruptcy is good. It gets the bad money out of society. It's that simple. The bad money, once the bad money is eliminated, everybody's back on an equal playing field. But the, the hard part is seeing some people get back into the game again and, and going back to the credit cards and going back to um, a lifestyle of debt. When they, they hopefully they weren't going to ha- it wasn't going to happen. That's the hard part for me because I want make to make sure that everybody knows that bankruptcy is about financial planning for the future. And if you're not using it as a proper tool, you can get hurt. If you do use it for the prop as a proper tool and you use the right attorney, you can be leaps and bounds ahead of where you were financially in the past. Well, the that's what to- I've always said about our practice yeah. in general is that look, like any business, we, we, Love repeat business, but in our in our practice areas of personal injury and bankruptcy, we don't want to see our clients back. We don't want to see them get hurt again. We don't want to see them in bankruptcy again. We're here if you need us, but listen, we don't want to see bad things happen to them. Um, well, so I, I tell every client I meet with, and, and because my part of the practice is solely bankruptcy, I don't do the personal injury. I don't do you know some of the other things, the wills, trusts, and estates, and some of the other areas of practice. Hopefully you're my client one time. I'd love for you to come back to the firm. I hope that I give you, you know, the results are good and the customer service is good and you want to come back to our firm. But hopefully what we're giving you is tools so that you're only my personal client one time. You need the bankruptcy one time. You know, we talk about things and and tools and saying, hey, 
you know, one of the great questions we get, or, or we get it, how soon can I get a credit card? <laughs> I, I get that question almost every time, <laughs> you know, I say, well, look, what you really want to do, go open another bank account, put $2,000 in that bank account, use that debit card as a credit card, write yourself a bill every month. Guess what you're not paying in that case? You're not paying interest. You're not paying uh, administrative fees. You're not paying those things. And more people have come back and said, that was the greatest thing I ever did. Number one, they learned, hey, it helps me spend not on the stuff that I really don't need. But number two, you know, it it, it helps them plan. And, and back then, you know, it, it's funny. Back then, debit cards weren't widely accepted. You know, we've changed so much. You know, It's you talk so about crazy it. to think about how much things have changed just from 2007. 13, oh, yeah. 13 years debit cards have gone from very rarely accepted to, to accepted to the point where you use your phone now. Yep. You use your phone to do all of this stuff instead of instead of having those accounts. So, you know, it, it changes all the time, but but absolutely part of what we're doing is trying to say we're going to put you on a path for that fresh start and at the end of the day, if you're only my client once, great. We'd love for you to come back to our firm. We'd love to write your will. We'd love to do your estate planning because we set you up out of the bankruptcy to start needing those things in the future. And, you know, it's not like your education has to stop with the end of the case. We do, we, we provide so much material to our clients. And if, even if you're not a client, you can sign up for our list and email newsletter, um, you know, about how to manage this stuff and, and how to track your credit report and make sure there's no issues out there and uh, whether and or not the cases we'd love for you to come back for whether or not you're you being collected on, on a debt that can be collected or not. I mean, you know, all those type of things are, you know, knowledge is power. And that's what I tell people all the time. Even if you're scared of bankruptcy and are, are dead set on saying no at the end of our consultation, by all means, if you're having problems, come talk to me for 30 minutes for free. Yeah. And I will give you knowledge that will at least give you power going forward against whatever situation you're facing. Uh, potentially there's other ways to handle it. And you might, after hearing that, say bankruptcy is the way, but even if I won't be offended if you say no afterwards and yeah. just take what I told you at that consult and go forth and, uh, and prosper. Well, how many it. times do, do uh, so Lampley does a ton of consultations in our office, but how many times do you give us back results that you say that it was solved during the consultation? Oh, it's I've, actually one of our categories, you know, that, that the attorney solved the issue during the consultation. I mean, I think well, that's pretty cool for a free consultation. One of the most successful consultations are the ones where I say, you don't need me. Here's what you can do. Here's what the situation is. You know, all the time, we, we have a lot of small claims people, you know, I got sued in small claims court and it's a $2,000 debt and they come in and they, they're, they're scared because they've never had to be in court any before. And we talk to them about the process. We tell them what to expect. We tell them what they can do. And then I tell them not to hire me. And their face is, is, is it's like, huh? And I said, don't pay me when you can solve this yourself. Here's what you do. I'm going to give you all of the tools to solve this yourself. And I, you know, I don't want your money. And those are the ones that are the rewarding ones. And, and for the past 13 years or 14 years at this point, my goal going into a consultation is not bankruptcy. That may ultimately be the best option, but my goal is what's the solution that's going to work for you best. Don't forget to subscribe and like the show on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you listen.